this episode of the award-winning Modern Practice Podcast, we'll continue our discussion about the comprehensive quality transformation. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. Joining me again is Dr. Rick May, Senior Principal for Clinical Quality Improvement at Vizient and also an orthopedic surgeon, and Todd Baker, Principal for Quality Improvement at Vizient. Rick and Todd, glad you can join us again. So gentlemen, what are some of the elements needed to actually have a robust quality program? Well, let me jump in on that real briefly, and then I should t- Todd's got some great insights on this as well. I'd like to describe it as sort of two things. If you think about it, a lot of the hospitals I mentioned, there's sort of the, as you said, sort of the flavor of the month or, or the fire of the month, I guess, in my mind. So with the fire of the month, there tends to be this thing, okay, what are we going to work on? What's the most important thing? We got to focus on mortality. Oh, no, it's going to be infections. Oh, no, it's going to be pressure injuries. It's going to be sepsis. We like to take a step back and say, okay, yes, you need to have a prioritized list of what you're going to work on because not all of those areas are equal in terms of driving your success. But we think a lot about thinking this infrastructure stuff. And Tom was kind of alluding to, think about the challenges, the problems, but how do you fix those? Things? You know, How do you drive that? And we talk a lot about, okay, it starts at the top of the organization. What does your executive leadership look like? Are they consistently there? Are they visible, really driving that quality agenda? As Tom was saying, from a data standpoint, everybody's got data but are you able to turn that data really into insights and take those insights and actually be able to push it out into the organization to make sustainable change? Even basic nuts and bolts stuff like the quality department, you know, where is your quality department today? Are they resourced appropriately? Are they able to spend time on the right things? It's multiple elements of the infrastructure pieces we talk about a lot. Yes, at some point, we got to decide, yes, it's going to be sepsis versus falls. But more importantly, is that really that core conversation about what are these key infrastructure elements? How are we going to really resource them and support those appropriately? Because without those, yeah, you can make some short-term improvements, but you're never going to sustain and you're never going to become really a high-performing organization like you see around the country today. So I would add to that just a little bit more color in the sense that a lot of times we'll go into an organization and Rick alluded to leadership and governance over their quality efforts. What we'll find is the analytics are not aligned. So the board's looking at different data than, say, the team is looking at in terms of what they're measuring their performance. And in fact, the board may be looking at those lagging indicators. The team may in the trenches might be looking at a few leading indicators, but there's these big gaps in that organization in terms of consistency and what everybody is supposedly striving to achieve. I think we can talk about this as a whole separate conversation, but culture, the culture of quality in the organization is a really important factor that has to be evaluated and understood to ensure success and quality. Is part of that though, gentlemen, that sometimes we just get caught up in the weeds. We're measuring things that we may believe are important to our institution, but really don't move the needle on some national scorecards. Have we seen that in other organizations? Uh, Tom, it happens all the time. And again, you hear me use this example a lot. I've had hospitals focus on falls, right? Now, again, I'm an orthopedic guy, I'm an orthopedic trauma guy, so I care about falls. Again, it's a big thing for me in the hospitals. I was a guy that got called when that happened. But if you think about it from a scoring standpoint, basically, if you snap your fingers tomorrow and make your falls completely go away 100%, the impact on your national scores, I'm talking about CMS, LeapFrog, US News, is basically zero. It is statistically completely insignificant. And there's multiple, multiple things like that in the hospital that are exactly that. And, and it's a tough one, right? I mean, obviously, falls are important. Falls are important to our patients. We can't ignore it. But we have to also make that decision and say, okay, what are our priorities going to be? And we have to be able to go through the work to say, okay, how are we going to prioritize the stuff that's really going to drive our ultimate goals? And what that means is, in order to say yes to the most critical things, we're going to have to say no, or at least maybe not now, to a whole bunch of other stuff. I make the point to hospital leadership, this is a hard conversation. I mean, you, you'll get pushed back in a lot of different quarters saying, hey, you know, we need to work on falls. 
But at the end of the day, I think we have to come together and say, recognize there's not enough resources to do everything. We have to make rational, educated, smart choices about this. Otherwise, we see, which is unfortunately all too, un, all too common these days, hospitals just flail. They, they do one thing, they try another, nothing sustains. At the end of the day, they look back after a year or two of work and they just haven't gained any ground at all. So this decision process is really critical. You've got to put some stuff aside to really focus on moving forward in the most critical elements. So Tom, I think that when you're focused on quality transformation, you look at it at the detail level. It's really important to assess your major categories of work. So thinking about readmissions or mortality or infections or more broadly as to what your goals are to accomplish in terms of improvement in each of those areas. Paneling a team that is responsible for improving that and making sure that you have physician involved in every step of the way, physician direction, physician guidance, and leadership to assure that you have the medical staff and all the providers on board with the most recent and the most up-to-date clinical performance or literature-supported quality performance. And part of that is identifying the leading indicator question you asked earlier is a fantastic one because we see very little attention paid to that oftentimes. And if you can actually marry a leading indicator with a lagging indicator, you're going to give the people doing the care every day a measure to watch while that patient's in the hospital that actually ultimately leads to improvement on the lagging indicator. So I'll give you an example. In readmissions, the number one metric that you can affect or number one variable that you can affect that will reduce readmissions is assuring that the patient has a post-acute appointment scheduled within seven days of discharge. That appointment needs to be scheduled prior to discharge. So if you can assure that the literature again supports that that will make a substantial impact in readmissions. So if you're going to focus on a readmission program, if you're going to focus on one leading indicator, you should focus on that. Get that data correct. Make sure you're getting it captured related to the teams, the case managers, discharge planners, social workers, in some cases, the providers, making sure that you've got that wired. If you can actually measure that and monitor it, ultimately that should have some impact on your readmission rates. That's an example of kind of focusing at the high level, starting with readmissions and drilling that down into a particular metric that drives performance. What do you think of that, Rick? That was good, Todd. I thought you covered it well. If you think about kind of the whole process overall in terms of where to start, because it is, it's sort of a, a daunting process. Talk about just kind of go back to the basics. One is to really sit down and as an organization, decide what your goals are going to be. And it's important to recognize you cannot have multiple different levers you're going to pull and try and optimize them all simultaneously. Again, you have to make some critical decisions about are we focusing on growth? Are we focusing on just score performance? Are we focusing on something else that's strategically important to us? Make a re- really clear-cut decisions. Even to the point where if you're looking at scorecard performance, for example, talk about is CMS going to be most important or is it going to be U.S. News? Is it going to be something else, right? What's going to be your true north, basically? So the goal setting is pretty critical. After that, again, this whole prioritization step to say, okay, based on the goals we're trying to achieve, knowing we can't do everything, let's create a prioritized list of things we're going to work on. And I always say, listen, think about it this way. If you only pick one thing, one single thing area to work on in terms of quality that would be most impactful for the goals you just set, okay, tell me what that one thing be. Would it be mortality? Would it be patient experience? Would it be readmissions? What is that one thing? And then expand that idea. Okay, suppose we could do five. Suppose we could do eight. Suppose we could do 10. And logically think through what we're going to focus on. And so that helps again to say, okay, now I can sort of clear my mind to say, now I have a prioritized list where I want to start. And that's actually a very nice tactical step. You can start forming teams around that. The last piece I keep coming back to is then as you kind of set that sort of list of things to work on, have that available to go, take a hard look at your infrastructure. Talk about, you sort of going through individually, is our executive team on board? Is our data where it needs to be to be able to turn that data into insights, into action? 
where are we with our physician engagement? Let's look at the relationships out there, as Todd alluded to, to be able to have the doctors involved in this process all the way through. Nursing, obviously critical. I say this a lot. One good thing that came out of COVID is really, really <laughs> emphasized to everybody now how critical nurses are to quality in hospitals. When the nursing staff is being challenged, it, quality becomes challenged. It's a very clear relationship. So again, Set your goals. Think about prioritizing among the different quality things you can work on that will really be most impactful to your goals and being willing to let go of a lot of stuff because you can't work on everything. And then look at those key infrastructure pieces. If you focus on kind of that pathway, again, it won't fix everything automatically. It won't be sort of magically better the next day, but it sets you on the correct path. I think the correct sort of thought process to lead you ultimately to that kind of that long-term goal. Last thing I'll mention is clearly recognize this is not a two-week two-month, even two-year process. This is, for most hospitals, a three- to five-year journey. And you have to really think about how you're going to move it forward and sustain it over that period of time. You know, Rick, I think another stakeholder we tend not to think about often, but is key to this, is patient and family engagement. How much are we getting the patient involved in early ambulation? Or to use Todd's example, making sure the patient actually does show up for that follow-up clinic. That's critical. I mean, Tom, you're absolutely right. And I apologize. This is my bad surgeon habits, right? Surgeons tend to think we have the, the whole thing about the surgeon and the light bulb, how a surgeon changes the light bulb, he just holds the bulb and the world revolves around him. That's kind of how we think of the world. But no, you're right. I mean, it's the center of all everything we do. It's, it's really about the patients. And especially now, it's sort of tough because we were asking a lot more of patients and certainly their families in this setting now. I mean, COVID has sort of upturned a lot of what we've done previously. So you're right. Just start those conversations early on. To always take that step back and ask ourselves, you know, how is this choice, this decision, this program, heck, how we do our parking going to affect patients. I mean, we got to keep having that conversation all the time to really keep them front and center in the thought process. Yeah. Hey, Todd, so you've mentioned about data. And keep in mind, you've also mentioned that there's a super saturation of data right now for many organizations at this moment. And we also led to not to look at those lagging indicators, but kind of concentrate more on those leading indicators. But what exactly are the data needs? So when you think about Quality transformation, again, we've kind of alluded to this earlier, but there's so much information that it becomes unmanageable and chaos. And really the work being done in more of a business intelligence organization within the hospital or the health system to streamline and organize the data such that, and I alluded to this earlier, the board is seeing the same thing that the nurses are seeing and the doctors are seeing in the trenches. So that there's this alignment. Now, the hardest part about that is wading through the data that comes through the EMR or whatever analytics platform you utilize to watch or monitor your quality. And then there's obviously dozens of financial management systems that are potentially on the table. What we suggest is there needs to be a lot of work around an inventory of what's available, what the utility is, and does it actually move the needle in terms of your overall organizational objectives around quality? And if it doesn't, then it shouldn't be, you should not be using it, it shouldn't be on the table. And there's so many examples now, I know you've seen in your career mind too, where you see a report or you see a, a, an analytics platform that was purchased for a reason four or five years ago, and it goes on cruise control, and nobody knows why we're using this exactly and what is it producing and what's the value. You need to be more rigorous about reducing that and getting rid of those kinds of systems. Rick, Todd, thanks for joining us on these episodes. You've given us a lot of useful and crucial information. And to our listeners, you can contact Rick and Todd at their email addresses in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast.com. We've also posted a link in our resource section. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Bullenweba. Thank you so much for listening.